0: also want to send Christian greetings to each one this morning. The title of my message this morning is uh, God's Alternatives. To uh, introduce my message, I'd like to uh, tell a little story. And uh, this is for the benefit of the children, because alternatives is maybe a little big, uh, big word for you to understand what it is. So I'm going to explain by this story what alternatives are. Before our son was married, he was living in Idaho, and he traveled back and forth a good bit. His job was there. His girlfriend was there. Uh, Ryan, you know what that's like uh so he did a, a bit of traveling one time when he was here, I think it was for christmas uh he went uh, returned in his uh he was traveling by train uh, they reached the east edge edge of uh the um glacier national park, and the train stopped and um they were there for a while, and finally the train began to back up, and they, uh, they announced that uh, in the mountains there had been an avalanche, and it covered up a freight train, and it would take several days before the track could be cleared. So they backed up to Haver, and they put these passengers on buses. The buses were an alternative. That's what alternative means. It's something other than what was originally planned or what was planned. <coughs> and they, they put, uh, they, they bust them to, uh, or at least our son, they bust him to Great Falls and uh, put him on a plane to Spokane and uh, his friend Steve Kaufman picked him up by car and he arrived at his destination something like 24 hours after he was supposed to be. The train ride, the car ride, or the the bus ride, the train ride, or the plane ride, and the car ride were alternatives. This morning I want to talk about uh, God's alternatives, and I'd like to begin by looking at Ephesians second chapter and this this passage of scripture is actually what sparked this message Um, I'd like to read starting at uh, at at chapter 2 verse 1 and I'll read read to verse 10 and if you notice if you're looking at a King James Bible if you notice there's some words in italics that means that the translators added those words they were not in the original they added them to make a a better flow of of the idea I'm going to uh, read it and I'm going to uh, I'm not going to read those words because if uh, if you're looking at a uh, NIV you'll see that uh, they're not in there at least I don't think they are Some translations do not have these words, the ones in italics, that are in the King James Version. So here we go. And you who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And that's a dark picture. It doesn't say anything about life. It's all about death and sin. And uh, and then the next two words, but God. God. Um. My message this morning is God's alternatives. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace... Are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, but ye are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that ye should walk in them. And so, instead of death and sin, and uh, the, the dark picture that uh, is in the first three verses. God has an alternative, and that's life. But God. When I read these and uh, got to thinking of those two words, uh, that little phrase, but God, I wondered what other places in the Bible does he use this phrase? And so I did a, a word search on this, and this message is the result of that search, there are many, uh, I found many instances, many places where God uh, came with an option or an alternative to what actually was a uh, fact or was, was planned, and uh, I want to look at some of those. I have quite a list of them, and uh, my little scratch pad that I started with on this, uh, with this message uh, has more on than what I have in my notes here, and uh, I probably have more in my notes here than what I can cover this morning. We'll see how the time goes. Uh, We'll get as far as we can. Maybe I'll have to have two messages on this. Um, We're going to start by going right back to the very beginning in uh, Genesis 3. And I'll be going through uh, probably this morning um, mostly New Testament scriptures. I may get up to some of the New Testament ones. Genesis three is the account of man's fall into sin, and in the conversation that uh, Eve had with Satan, um, Satan questions God. And verse 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, Ye, uh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. But God has said, is uh, in that verse. Uh, you, he said you can eat of all of the other trees, but that one. Uh, you shall not eat of. God's option here is, or his um, uh, alternative here, is a restriction. And uh, human nature doesn't like restrictions. But uh, God has given us some restrictions. God has uh, said in many places in the Bible, Thou shalt not. Uh, His restrictions are for our good. And as uh, young people, as children, and even as adults, we uh, sometimes chafe under restrictions. Um, Young people, when your parents say, don't, uh, children, your parents will tell you, don't do this, don't do that. And uh, some people will have got to the Place where they say, "Well, that's so negative. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't always be. Don't, don't. Thou shalt not." And yet, God, one of God's alternatives, the very first one here in in uh, this in our Bibles, is "Don't. Don't eat of it. Don't touch it. If you do, you'll die." And so, as we think of uh, God's uh, of this restriction that God gives us and we have it all through the whole uh, through all of the rest of the scripture and we have it in our relationship with God there is that, that alternative that God has given us that there's things that you're not to do and uh, I think we need to pay attention to those I think we need to have the right attitude toward those and uh, be in obedience to those. Uh, the things that God tells us not to do are things that are for our good. You can be sure of that. God is is a, a God who is concerned for us. And uh, he wants our best. And so when he says don't, it's for our best. And I think we need to pay attention to that. <clears throat> Go ahead, just a few pages, to Genesis 20. This is a bit of a familiar scripture, I'll read just a few verses there, uh, starting at verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country, and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in gear. And Abram said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night. And there you have that phrase, but God. He came to Abimelech in a dream by night, and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. God protects even when we use poor judgment. And um, sometimes, and and I had to think, um, how many times has God protected me when I've made, maybe made a, a bad decision or made a bad choice? I'll probably never know. Maybe you'll never know either. Maybe we will someday, I'm not sure, in eternity, but do you think that, uh, and, and maybe it isn't a choice like Abraham made. Maybe it wasn't that we are uh, telling the half-truth like he did. Uh, he said, she is my sister, which is, was partially true because Abraham and Sarah had the same father but not the same mother. And so they were uh, siblings, half-siblings. And so when he said, she is my sister, he perhaps was saying half the truth, but uh, it was still a poor thing. We think, and um, probably rightly so, that Abraham could have told the truth, the entire truth there, and still God had, would have uh, protected him. But how many times, ask yourself this, how many times do I make poor judgments? How many times do I make poor choices? Um, maybe just minor things, and yet they would be things that, if uh, would be, that could be detrimental to us. And I'm thinking that God sees those choices, and, uh, and I think God can protect us in those times. And I'm not sure how He. How he does it, it may not be this dramatic where he sends dreams like he did to Abimelech, but uh, but God is one who protects his people and his children. He is concerned for us. I had a few more verses, uh, chapters, uh, chapter thirty one. Starting at verse 5. Just a little bit uh, before that, uh, Jacob uh, had been working for Laban, his father in law, and uh, and Laban continued to change his wages and uh, uh, do things that seemed like he was taking advantage of Jacob. And uh, this uh, and uh, Jacob, uh, working for Laban, did his best, and uh, flocks were increased, and Jacob's uh, flock was increased, and uh, Laban's sons didn't like this. They, um, and he heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob hath taken all the Away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's hath he gotten all the glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. Okay, verse 5 says, he he called his wives, uh, Leah and Rachel, and said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not toward me as before. But the God of my fathers hath been with me. And ye know that with all my power I have served your father. And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. God pro- uh, protected uh, Jacob when he was uh, been being taken advantage of. And I'm not sure about you, but uh, sometimes... We might think people are taking advantage of us, uh, people who think they can, um, uh, that we should be doing them uh, favors, I'm talking about um, natural things, not perhaps church family, but uh, do you ever feel you've been taken advantage of, and uh, how has God protected you? If we go a little further ahead, uh, Jacob then left with his family, left in secret. He didn't want Laban to know about it. And he was several days' journey ahead, and Laban uh, armed his family and went after him, uh, chased him down. And um, let me see which verse that is. Verse 29 And he said unto him, Thou knowest I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me. For as little which thou hast before I came, and is now increased unto a multitude. And the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming. And now, I think I'm in the wrong chapter here. Okay. Okay. Here's Laban's words to Jacob. Verse 29 of chapter 31. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt, but the God of your father spake unto me overnight, yesternight, saying, Take heed that thou speak not unto Jacob, either good or bad. And here again was the idea of of God protecting. When uh, Jacob was being taken advantage of, God stepped in and protected him that was uh, it was an alternative it was an option God had there for Jacob because uh, of uh, Jacob's relationship to the Lord <clears throat> okay turn ahead to Genesis 45. Verse 8 Joseph had just uh, revealed his identity to his brothers. We know that story, it's a common story, well known how uh, Joseph was sold into Egypt and by his brothers, and uh, they came later to buy grain from Joseph. They didn't know it was Joseph, but uh, through the process of time, uh, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. Verse 8 of, of uh, chapter 45 says this, So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father of Pharaoh, and lord of it all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Uh, his brothers meant it for uh, for Joseph's harm. They wanted rid of him. If we go to uh, verse 50 or chapter 50, um, Joseph reminds them of this, and uh, here he uh, he was telling them that it was it was not there. Um, It was not that uh, even though they meant harm to him. Yet, God had another idea. God had another option. God had something else in mind. And so, in a hard experience, uh, God had an alternative. Later on, after uh, their father died, the brothers thought that surely now Joseph would be seeking revenge. And he would take it out on them because uh, he was reserved because of his father. but uh, And so when his father died, they thought, now surely we're in trouble. Uh, Verse 20, Joseph again speaking here. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as is this day, to save much people. When there's uh, hard experiences, are uh, you uh, or I going through experiences that, are, that seem hard to us? Uh, God can take these experiences and make something good out of them. Uh, God has alternatives. God has options that he can bring into our lives. That will turn hard experiences into blessings. We need to look for those. We need to uh, look for the blessings in in those experiences when we uh, suffer hard things. Okay, back just a little now. Chapter 48. Uh, this was at the end of Jacob's life he had uh, he talked to Joseph his son and this is the words he said and Israel said unto Joseph behold I die but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers god continues his his alternative is to continue blessings beyond uh, just one generation. Uh, Generation follows generation. And God continues to bless throughout generations. Uh, uh, Jacob said, I die, but God. That's an alternative. Sometimes we think, well, you know, the end of life, that's it. But uh, God doesn't end when our life does. Uh, God's uh, blessings continue on generation after generation. When Israel, or Jacob, or he was called Israel yet by this time, he said, I die, but God will be with you. Uh, How different that is from uh, when we read in Ecclesiastes, Solomon's uh, Solomon's woes. Ecclesiastes is sort of a negative book. Uh, Solomon wrote this probably when he was older, and he talks about so much vanity, and he talks about how that uh, a man dies like a sheep, and they put him in the ground, and he he uh, decays, and uh, just a very dark picture. But how different this is! From what uh, Joseph or Jacob said here, I die, but God. God continues on. God's blessings will continue to the next generation and the next and the next. A scripture that uh, goes along with that is in Psalm. uh, That's Psalm 49, a verse in there that I want to read. Psalm 49, verse 15. Uh, I'm not sure who the author of this is. It could have been David. Um, Probably was. Um, He talks too about death in the verses just before this. Nevertheless, man being in honor, abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. This their way is, is their folly. Yet their posterity approveth their saying, Selah. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them. In the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. And then he says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. There's God's alternative. Alternative to death. We... uh, we are appalled by death. It's, it's um, something that uh, we, we don't like to think about. But uh, we can realize that even though we, like Jacob, I die, but God. And he will redeem our soul. He says, David says, he will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Okay, turn to Exodus, 13th chapter. Okay, verse 17 and 18, it says this. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest preadventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. The thought of this uh, alternative, God sometimes takes a long way around. Um, sometimes when um, the road between here and our place is really dusty and, or it's rained and it's muddy um, and I don't want to get my car all messed up I'll go around the long way sometimes when God is dealing with us he may take the long way around we get impatient, and um, we tend to be that way. We like to see things, you know, really go. We like to see things, uh, we like to take shortcuts, get things done. But God knows the best way. You know, He, he sometimes will, in dealing with us and in our experiences, perhaps uh, the way seems long to us, and we think, "Well, God could do it a lot quicker," but yet God knows best. And so we need to uh, we we need to simply uh, put our trust in Him. And if that way is longer than we think it should be, um, let's praise the Lord for it, because uh, through all of these. Um, these verses that I looked up here, the uh, alternatives that God gives is always for, was always for our best, always for the best of His people. And it wasn't it wasn't what uh, what uh, the people had planned, especially, but God did something different, and it was always for their best. So when God leads, He sometimes takes the longest way around for our best okay turn ahead to Judges Judges 15 this is an account of uh, Samson sometimes we we don't want to use Samson for uh, good examples because of the kind of a life he lived but here's, uh, here's the verses, what it says. Um, well, just a little background. Samson had been uh, confronted by a, a big group of his enemies, and he had uh, picked up an old uh, piece of a bone. It says the jawbone of a donkey. And he used this as a weapon, and he killed many of his enemy, enemies. and uh, Verse 17 says, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand, and called the place Ramoth-Lei. And he was sore, athirst, and called on the Lord, and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance unto the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised, but God, clave an hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water out Thereout, and when he had drank, his spirit came again and he revived. Therefore he called the name thereof Enhechorah, which is in Lehi unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines twenty years. Uh, th- there were some good things about Samson. Some of the things that, uh, well, he, he he trusted in the Lord for some for his strength. And uh, even though he squandered it, and even though he is a poor example of of his life in his life, yet there were some things that uh, he trusted in the Lord. And here was one of them. And God had an alternative. He, he was not done with Samson. He had an alternative. And uh, he made this uh, provision for him. I think God provides for us, for our needs, when we have needs. And uh, we don't know where the next uh, payment will come from, maybe. Uh, God has an alternative. He can supply. And many times he does. And so, in time of need, God gives us his supply. Next one, 1 Samuel. And in the chapters 23, verse 14. I found many of these, or a number of these, talk about God's protection. Uh, his protection in, in uh, hard circumstances like Joseph's. Uh, his protection for uh, uh, Abraham when he, and Sarah when he made a, a goof, we might call it. And, uh, and many of these talk about God's protection. This one is about David. Verse 14, And David was then in an hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. Um, okay, I'm in Second Samuel, I'm sorry. My, my wife asked me... Do you have all your references <laughs> together? Well, I have this one right, but I was just in the wrong chapter. First Samuel twenty three fourteen. And Samuel said, I'm still not in the right chapter. This is embarrassing. And David abode in the wilderness, in the strongholds, and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. He was protection from the enemy. I had to think of that uh, a lesson there for us how God protects us from our enemy, Satan. You know, many times Satan would, you know, he would just like to ruin us. He would just like to put things in our way. He would like to get us to fall into sin. A number of things. And I think that God is there to to protect us. His alternative is protection for us. In a time of uh, when Satan would would tear us down, when Satan would give us... um, Cause us to sin, tempt us to sin, and God is there to protect us. Um, First Chronicles 28. 2, uh, I should read verse 1, it gives a little bit of the, of the background, and David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, and the captains of the companies and that ministered, and ministered to the king by course, and the captains over thousands, and captains over hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king and of his sons with the officers and with the mighty men and with all the valiant men under Jerusalem. Then David, the king, stood up upon his feet and said, Hear, hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had it in my heart to build a house for the rest, of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. And he had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and has shed blood. Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my fathers to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah. And he goes on and talks about his son who will build this house. God sometimes changes our plans. Did you ever have that happen? You plan one thing and... God has an alternative. He has a, a another option. And here was uh, here was David's. Uh, it was his. I'm not sure what word to use. It was something that he really wanted to do. And he prepared many things. And he was he was at this for a number of years. I'm going to build a house for the Lord. I'm going to build a house, a place for uh, God to dwell among us. I'm going to have a place for the Ark of the Covenant. And this was in his mind and in his heart. And uh, it was an obsession with him. And uh, yet God said something else. He had an option. He had another option. He said, uh, you're not to build this house. You know, David could have he could have went to his room and turned his face to the wall and pouted and, oh, I just wanted to do this so bad. But uh, David didn't do that. He was willing to take God's alternative. He was willing to take God's way. And that should be our experience. When God When we plan things and we lay the plans and we just want to do it so bad and uh, want to have it done just our way and God comes along and says, No, that's not the way to do it. I have have an option. I have something else in mind. And we need to uh, willingly follow his plan, not ours. And we need to be willing to give up our plans in our way of thinking, in our way of doing, and follow what God has. Sometimes he'll step into our lives and change things around, and uh, we're maybe almost devastated by it. But, you know, we need to be like David, be willing to give up and let God's plan take place. I'm going to do one more, then we'll continue the next time. Psalm 64 7. I need to go back and back up just a little bit to get the uh, what they're talking about here. Uh, he's talking about workers of iniquity, wicked people. And verse 3 says, Who whet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, uh, they may, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil manner and they commune. "...of laying snares privately. They say, Who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They're, they accomplish a, a diligent search, both in inward thought, of every one of them, uh, and the heart, the heart is deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. So they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away." <coughs> And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. Uh, When I read this, I had to think of uh, all the political wranglings of the day. You know, you can look in the news and you hear of um, all of the... uh, political things that are going on, and all the opposition between parties and between leaders and uh, uh, firings and um, all, all that kind of thing, and all of that political wrangling, you know, we, can, we could get tied up in that. And we could uh, think, you know, what, what's this world coming to? What's politics coming to? Uh, but God will shoot at them it says... And all of that political wrangling and all of that stuff that goes on in the world today, we don't have to worry about. God's in control. God is the one that will take care of it. Um, He'll take care of the wickedness and evil of the ungodly. We don't have to worry about it. Another verse, very familiar, vengeance is mine. I will repay," saith the Lord. For our lives to be faith, be fruitful. If we want our lives to be fruitful. We need to pay attention to God's options, God's alternatives. Those things that may not be in our plans, but they're in God's. And. If we're faithful to him and trust in him, he will reveal his options and his alternatives to us. And we must follow his way, his alternatives. When we have decisions to make, it's a good thing if we would check his options, not just go by our own gut feeling. We need to check His options. Make sure that things are according to His Word, according to His will, and according to His way.